Hey guys, welcome to Miller Christian Church Online Messages. If you'd like to be able to view these messages online, you could head over to YouTube and search Miller Christian Church. There you should be able to find them. If not, we got our webpage at millerchristianchurch.org. Thanks for stopping by, guys, and we hope you enjoy. Anyway, now that I know that you're sharp and a half, let's turn to Proverbs 18. Uh, Proverbs 14, familiar verse, you know it. And uh, it says this, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That is from the Word of God. Righteousness exalts a nation. And uh, when we were doing things right, that's exactly what happened. God exalted the United States of America. I'm still proud to be an American. You know, there's still not very many uh, nations that you are innocent until proven guilty. It's usually the other way around in many, many nations. And uh, so I'm I'm still thankful for that. It's abused sometimes, but uh, I'm still thankful for that. I was raised in a very patriotic home. The... uh, Birthday number for United States for the nation where God has put us, I think, is 246. Am I right? Anybody figure that out? 246? You're not as sharp as I thought you were. No, I think it's our 246th birthday. And uh, recently, and I never thought I'd see the day, that shows you how much uh, confidence I had and and uh, shame on me, but uh, recently, of course, overturning Roe versus uh, Wade, I think God will smile on that. I know he will. And there are some other things, but there is a lot of need in the United States, in our country. So we want to look at that today and see about what we call a real revival People have funny ideas about revival. They think it's people rolling down the aisle and doing all that kind of stuff. And that's not what revival means. It comes from two Latin words, which mean, re, uh, means again, viva, means to live. So the word revival means, in a spiritual sense, to live again. And you think of reviving something. And uh, so spiritually, what kind of revival do we need? We'll talk about that here in a little little bit. And I think I've shared some of this at the beginning with you before because I believe it with all my heart. I have four, I listed four purposes I believe God had for America. And uh, there are a lot more than that, I'm sure. But here's four things that I believe uh, blessed God. And, and uh, this is, I think, some of the purposes he had for our nation. Number one, did you get a sheet, by the way? Everybody get an outline? Are you excited? A nation where people could worship freely. That was mentioned by Tammy already up in the pulpit, uh, how Christ has set us free. And, um, you know, that was one of the purposes. And, boy, it's still, I'm just so thankful for that. 
Uh, number two, a nation that would befriend Israel. And I think if we turn our back on Israel, we're cooked. I can prove that to you from the book of Genesis. And uh, it goes all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant when God says, I will bless them who bless you and curse them who curse you. Israel doesn't do everything right, but it's still God has a plan for the nation of Israel. And, uh, and a nation that, you know, we're one of the few that stand with Israel. And I think that was one of the purposes of, of America. Number three, a nation that would send millions of Bibles. Millions of Bibles. You think of the Gideons and the American Bible Society. And, do we have any Gideons in this church? Ah, good for you. We got two? Good. Good. I strongly support the work of the Gideons. It's a tremendous work. Because I know the power of the Word of God in the hand in hands of people. And a nation that would send millions of Bibles, and we have. And then, uh, fourthly, a nation that would send missionaries. We are still a missionary sending, although we need missionaries in our own land uh, quite a lot. Uh, but a nation that would send missionaries with the wonderful, powerful message of the gospel. The gospel message. Christ died for our sins, he was buried, he rose again, and he offers eternal life to all who will believe him, believe in him, and receive him as Savior. And uh, that, that wonderful truth and the pillars of the gospel, that he was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, he died a sacrificial death, we heard again in communion today. So all those were four purposes, I believe, and God has more than that, but... Uh, those were four that I see. So, now, God had a purpose for Israel. Here's where we can learn as a nation, and then we're going to get into individual, because I think, I think the answer is not the Supreme Court, although I appreciate what they've done. The answer is not voting, although I think every Christian should vote and, and uh, do, you know, prayerfully Vote, all that's true, but that's not really the deep-seated answer, and we'll get to that in a minute. God had a purpose for Israel. A nation to give His Word and His Son. You can see that in Romans chapter 2 and 3. The Word came through Israel, and His Son came through Israel, and that was a real purpose for the whole world. So I'm glad of that. But they made three terrible mistakes. Now here's where we need to learn. It's very similar to our own country. In Jeremiah chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. There's some on the end of the pew. And I hope you have a real Bible. I'm not against the text. or the. I have a Bible app on my smartphone for this dumb guy and all of that, but you need a real Bible where the whole Bible is in your hand. I believe that as, as a Bible teacher all the years of my life. I just think that's so important. But anyway, Israel made three mistakes. The first thing they did, they forgot God. Jeremiah 2, verse 32 says, Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Can you imagine going to a wedding, and the bride forgot her dress, her wedding gown. 
You say, what are the chances of that happening? I think that's what it's saying here. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. <coughs> Israel, they just forgot God. They forsook God, number two, in Jeremiah 2.11. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Uh, I'm going to go down to verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Just like the United States, we have forsook the God who brought us into a nation as a nation, intentionally. And uh, it will never satisfy a broken cistern. So what have we done? We've turned into a progressive, um, what you would call humanistic society, where God is irrelevant. Irrelevant, and uh, it's a it's a sad thing. When the Scripture says to hewn out cisterns, I mean, you know what happens? Eventually, they crack, they leak, and it never satisfies the need. And Israel said, we don't want the fountain of living waters. We'll do our own thing. Does that ring a bell? The third thing Israel did, they failed to honor God's word. And this is what really, in Hosea, we're told about that in chapter 4, verse 1. As Hosea was trying to prophesy and bring Israel back, it is said in verse 1, there is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. And if you go down to verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They did. How many people know the word today in our land? Yes, Bible-believing Christians, yes. But how many people really know what God says in the Scripture? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you, God told Israel. For, uh, and because you have forgotten the law, that's the scripture of your God, I will also forget your children. It was a terrible time in Israel's history. So are we going to learn from that? Well, I hope so. You know, we need... We need God's people need a good grasp on the Scripture so we can share with a secular society. I got a poem here written by Amos Wells. You say, who was he? I don't have the slightest idea. His name is down here. I suppose I knew my Bible, reading piecemeal, hit or miss. Now a bit of John or Matthew, now a snatch of Genesis. Certain chapters of Isaiah, certain Psalms, the 23rd, 12th of Romans, 1st of Proverbs. Yes, I thought I knew the word. But I found a thorough reading was a different thing to do. And the way was unfamiliar when I read the Bible through. My wife and I have done that for so many years. Every year we read that Bible through. Doing something a little different this year, but she's still with that. As you treat no other... Oh, I'm sorry... You who treat the crown of writings 
as you treat no other book, just a paragraph disjointed, just a crude, impatient look. Try a worthier re procedure. Try a broad and steady view. You will kneel in very rapture when you read the Bible through. It's a living book. There's something in there all the time that just activates the yielded spirit. It's God's Word, and boy, do we need it. One lady said after studying the life of Moses, she says, I know Moses so well, he doesn't even look like Charlton Heston. The Ten Commandments, remember? And all of that kind of stuff. Well, most people agree that our nation, our churches, and our own people, us, we need a real kind of revival and I think there are, see all the R's there? I think there's six. One, two, three, four, five, six. And uh, I love alliteration. You've probably guessed that by now after a year and a half. But it helps us to remember, and this is the kind of revival I think we need, to live again. Now you say, in this society, there's no way. And listen, no, we can't say that. God is God, and he's bigger than this nation. America cannot, cannot, cannot shake her fist in God's face and get away with it. So there needs to be a real, a real genuine revival. Now, again, I appreciate the Supreme Court. I appreciate voting. I appreciate all of that. But that's not going to do it all. What do we need? Well, we need a revival, number one, that will resurrect, as I've been talking about, the Word of God. It'll resurrect the Word. What are we talking about? Hebrews 4.12. The average believer has never grasped that. And listen, don't be an average believer. You be an unusual believer. And understand Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12, and you know why it can do that? Like no other book, because it is divinely God-breathed, inspired. Every word, equally inspired. That's why I always say, get the verbal, plenary inspiration of Scripture when you get a young pastor in here and you get rid of this old guy. Someone who believes in the verbal, every word inspired, because that's what the Scripture teaches. Plenary means it's equally inspired just as much in Genesis as it is in Revelation and all pages in between. It is God-breathed. It is inspired of God, and it has a miraculous power. Jeremiah said, Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? So we get into lots of stuff in Christendom, and we leave the Scriptures out, the preaching of the inerrant, powerful, God-inspired Word. And that's what changes life. And so we need to resurrect <coughs> the Word of God. <coughs> we have a daughter here from Colorado, and she didn't want to get up this early and come to this church, so she's going to Burroughs. She's on vacation. She teaches. 
at a Christian school in Fort Collins. She has for 12 years. And we talked all day, half the night. And forgive me if my voice squeaks. I'm going to tell you the truth here. Sometime, when you get a chance, not today, you read the chapter found in Second Chronicles 34. What will you find there? You'll find that a young king, Josiah, became king when he was eight years old. He became king. The Bible then says later in that chapter, when he was 16 years old, he began to seek God with all of his heart. And when he was 26 years old, later on in that chapter, somebody found a copy of the Word of God in the temple. It had been years since they had paid attention. Israel was backsliding so terrible. Judah. What happened? You read the rest of his life and how he instituted the reading of the Word of God to all the people. I'm telling you, it changed everything. Israel had a national revival. They came back to the Lord. They repented of their sins, and God blessed them and reversed the judgment that was pronounced upon them. Later on, they went back to uh, forgetting and forsaking and failing to honor God's word. But you read about Josiah. That's what we need. We need leadership, yes, that will seek the word of God and not politics, that will do what is right so that we become a righteous nation where God can exalt us and not let sin be a reproach and bring the judgment that I know... Uh, we're still going to have to answer for a lot of things in America. We're off to a good start. But not many years ago when they redefined the family, it's not just male and female anymore, and now you got two of the same sex. That's not a family in God's eyes. Never has been. And anybody that preaches that in, in um, Canada, you can go to jail for it. There have been pastors that have been put in jail because they preach Genesis. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And all what Jesus said in everywhere in Scripture. Marriage is between a man and a woman under God. And uh, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. We have let that agenda just undermine all the fabric in our nation. Do you understand that? The moral fabric is under attack because we cannot define the family like we've done, like every nation has done, as God has done. And we're turning our back and we're doing our own thing. And that's dangerous. We need to resurrect the Word of God. He found a copy of the scriptures. It changed absolutely everything. And what will happen when you grab a hold of Hebrews 4.12 and the rest? You will find that the Holy Spirit, who indwells every believer, will 
awaken in you, in us, to the great spiritual truths in the Bible about our life in Christ. That's when you begin to live again spiritually. So I better move on, eh? I got a lot of R's to go through. Number two. We need the kind of revival that will rekindle old fires. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Ask for the old paths, the tried and true paths, not living in the past, but taking the dynamics of the Scripture of righteousness in Christ and the powerful message of the Bible and rekindle old fires. I've always thought this was a good question to ask. Do you remember a better time when you were closer to Jesus Christ? Do you remember a time when you just felt when you were communing with him, you could almost hear the rustle of his garments? If you do, the Lord wants us, you, me, everybody to go back to wherever we got derailed and get that closeness to the Lord again and rekindle the fire of our spiritual life. Again, number three, the kind of revival we need is to renounce and deal with sin. You know that verse, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their uh, I will forgive their sin and will heal their, their land. That's still true. It's still true. We have to deal with sin. In Hosea 14, verse 1 and 4, you find that God was pleading with Israel to return to him, to leave off the sinful pattern of life and return to him. Next one. Not only do we have to take sin seriously, but we need to, to rebuild dwindling fellowship. Now, it's not so much in the country as much as it is in the city, I've noticed, but it is in the country. It's everywhere where what we need to do is nourish ties between God's people. We're finding that in persecution countries, the most cherished possession that they have when they're thrown in jail or persecuted. Well, the Bible is, yes, but the second most cherished possession is each other, other believers standing with them. We don't have to agree on absolutely everything to nourish ties between God's people. But if we're born again into his family, we need to be family. And I think part of a real revival is to rebuild that fellowship growing in that genuine love for each other philippians 1 3 through 5 do you know what that says quote paul says i thank my god upon every remembrance of you he told the philippians of every remembrance of you every remembrance of you for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Paul loved the Philippians. He loved a lot of the... Uh, the but uh, there's a certain love. Peter 
said, uh, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Rebuilding that fellowship. You know, sometimes we let idiosyncrasies, you know what that is, don't you? It's the syncrasies that us idiots have. But we let little things like that spoil, a little fox to spoil the vine, don't let it. Rebuild that fellowship, nourish that ties in God's people. And then the next one is to restore Christian joy. I mean real joy. In Nehemiah 12, verse 43, when they finished the wall and there was a whole new atmosphere in Jerusalem after the judgment of God had come in, carried them away and destroyed Jerusalem. They were back, rebuilding the wall. And at that dedication, the Bible says in Nehemiah 12, 43, the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. The greatest evangelistic tool you have in your heart is to radiate the joy of Jesus to others. But we let crabbiness and cantankerousness and stuff get in our head and our heart, and we forget about the joy of the Lord. What does Paul say? Rejoice in the Lord. Always, and again I say, there was a very strict order of monks, and they had a rule that said speaking is permissible only one day a year. One monk at a time. So one year a monk stood up and said quietly, I don't like the mashed potatoes here at all. They're too lumpy. And he sat down. A year later, it was another monk's turn. He stood up and said, I rather like the mashed potatoes. I find them very tasty. The third year came along and it was another monk's turn. He said, I want to transfer to another monastery. I can't stand the constant bickering. <laughs> oh, I'd hate to be a monk. Where is the joy of the Lord for those who've been transformed and made a new person in Christ? So we need to restore. Peter called it the joy unspeakable and full of glory. And then finally, we need to reach the entire country. One soul at a time, the life-changing message of Christ, one person at a time. That last verse should have, instead of Proverbs 14, it should have been 2 Corinthians 5.17. You can scratch it out and put 2 Corinthians 5.17. And what does that say? It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things became new. How different was my thinking after I was born again, when I got saved in the 20th year of my life. How different I thought than before. The difference he began to make and the light the Word of God and Jesus brought into my life. That's what happens when somebody gets saved. And if we reach one person at a time with a life-changing message of Christ, so many people are focused on the right or the left 
and they forget that there is an above and below. There's a heaven and there's a hell. This will accomplish, of course, far more than elections, as important as they are. Your part, my part, is to be honest with God, sensitive to sin, be in the Word and pray, and praise Him continually. God never ceases to surprise me. He surprised Carol and I again this week, didn't He? In an answer to prayer. I mean a real answer to prayer. Thank God for America. I appreciate our country, do you? I know we got a lot of faults, but you pray for a real revival that will resurrect this power of the scriptures, that will rekindle old fires spiritually, that will renounce and deal with sin, and that will rebuild fellowship, nourishing ties between God's people, that will restore the joy of a Christian, the joy of Jesus, and that will reach the whole country, one soul at a time. Lord, I thank you for our nation, and in all honesty, I know at times I've been scared of the term revival. Why? I don't know. Because every believer from time to time can easily get sidetracked, can get derailed, and we need to go back to wherever that has happened or whatever has taken us, taken our spiritual fire away and come to the one who loves, loves us so and rekindle, rekindle the spiritual life in our hearts. I thank you for that. We pray that it'll happen for America. And as we sing this song, is a prayer song. It's a prayer from our hearts to you for our nation and now for ourselves as well. In Jesus' name, amen.